If you're anything like me, um, you'll realize that your mobile phone pretty much contains your entire life. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've uh, lost your mobile phone or thought you've lost your mobile phone, but it can be a scary experience. I had this experience uh, last year in the summer. In our summer holiday, we were at the beach, and I put my phone down when I got changed to go into the sea with Chloe, and it was there on the buggy, and went in the sea, came and had lunch. I wasn't looking uh, the whole time. People were walking past. I um, went to leave and get changed again, and my phone wasn't there. And I was sure it was there when I took my clothes off and got changed. And it was, it was that moment. There was about three or four minutes where I was convinced that someone had stolen my mobile phone. People were walking past. We weren't looking. And I thought to myself, that would actually be a disaster. My, my life would end. Not, 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 not that bad. But, you know, you realize in those moments how much of your life is contained in that one piece of equipment. Um, it made me realize how much I used my mobile phone for, actually. So emails, um, my contacts were on there, my to-do list, uh, all of my uh, files, my photos. It's the way that I access the news. It's the way that I access most of my entertainment, uh, even my bank. And because for, for a lot of us, everything is kind of on a, on a screen, on our phones, and because it's so accessible, you know, I can access all that stuff any moment of the, of the day, at any time, I think uh, we can end up feeling like uh, our life gets intruded on by our, by our screens and by technology. Our lives can become one kind of uh, stream of noise where every little spare moment gets kind of taken up by something, whether it's a phone or a tablet or whatever it is. Um, so we wake up and uh, check the news and breakfast, check Facebook, uh, clean teeth, oh, another minute to check Twitter, uh, get the car to, to work, listen to some songs, walk from the car to your office, check the email. Every, every little spare moment is taken up by, by accessing something, whether it's entertainment or whether it's jobs or, or, or news or information. It's kind of crowds in. And uh, if we're not careful, we, um, we can live our whole lives with this, just, this noise, with living in this noise. Um, I realized how much of an issue this was for me a couple of months ago. So we had uh, a week in August where we had a holiday from home. And approaching this week, I was a bit, a bit nervous, actually, a bit worried that it wouldn't feel like a holiday because we were at home and we'd have jobs to do. So Hannah, my wife, and I, we made an agreement. We'll not just turn our phones on silent, we'd switch them off and put them in a, a drawer for the whole week. So I did. I switched my phone off. And it was a revelation. Literally, it was a revelation. I didn't realize how much of my life my phone sort of filtered into. So, um, you know, Hannah would... We'd be, we'd be talking, and Hannah would go out the room to get something, and she'd be out the room for 30 seconds, and I'd be like, ah, oh, normally I would check my phone in that time, but now I haven't got my phone. And it forced me to, like, think <laughs> and do things like that. It was, it was great. Um, but the, the scary thing was, it showed me how much that kind of that noise and that distraction can affect my spiritual life as well. So that week, I not only thought more, but I prayed more in those moments that I would otherwise be looking at my screen. And I think I've realized since then that h- how much of an issue it's, it still is. You know, I'll, I'll open my Bible in the morning and I'll kind of I'll feel the pull of my phone. And it, there's, there's, there's so much noise, it can be hard to sometimes stop and take a step back and take stock. Because we so easily just drift. We so easily just uh, allow the, the currents 
of, of the world, the currents of the media, the currents of all the influences and voices around us that just take us along without ever taking a step back and taking stock. But I want to say this afternoon, it's so important that we do that. It's so important that we don't let ourselves just drift along with the currents of life. It's so important that we do take a step back and, and sometimes just take stock. Why? Because what if you're missing something? What if your heart is heading in a direction that's actually dangerous, but you're not noticing? Because you're deafened by the distractions and the noise. And that's just what Jesus tells us to do in the passage we're looking at today in Luke chapter 8. So if you've got a Bible, um, turn to Luke 8. It's on page 865 of these uh, black Bibles here, if you've got one. Page 865. So the, the passage we're looking at uh, this week kind of follows straight on from, from last week. Uh, we've got this crowd uh, following Jesus. And uh, Jesus tells a parable. And uh, it's, it's a bit of a surprising thing to do because the parable is told uh, to divide people. It's not told to draw people in. It's told to separate people out. So he tells this story of uh, a man, a sower, goes out to sow some seeds, and the seed falls in different places, and there's different responses. So some seed falls on the, the rocky path, and it gets uh, eaten up by the birds. Some seed uh, falls on uh, uh, rocky soil, and it grows up, but the sun withers because it's, uh, it's got no roots. Some seed falls among thorns, and it grows up, and the thorns choke it. And some seed falls on good soil, and it produces a fruit. So Jesus tells this story. And what he's basically doing in that story is giving people an opportunity to do what I've just talked about. He's giving people an opportunity to, to stop and to not just be carried along by the drift of the crowd following Jesus, by the drift of what he's saying, not just be caught up, but to stop and to go to him, to, to take stock and say, hold on, he told that story and there were bits missing. I didn't quite get everything. And I'm kind of compelled by this guy. He's got something that I want. And I'm going to go to him and find out what that is. He's given people a chance to do that, to stop. And he says in our passage today, if you have a look down, uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Take care then how you hear. Take care how you hear. That's what he wants us to do this afternoon. To just pause and to think, well, how am I hearing? So... Some people do come to him, the disciples um, come to him and they're scratching their heads and Jesus tells them the meaning of the parable. Um, the, the seed is the word of God and the different soils are different responses to the word. Uh, but the point of the parable is not make sure you're good soil, get weeding. As Mike said last week, the point of the parable is that, well, we've all got mixed hearts, but the people at the end who are with Jesus and who get the meaning are the people who've stopped and the people who've followed him and who've asked what he's on about. The ones who kind of push back the other voices that are crowding in. The ones who come to him just as they are. And the question for us last week was, well, are you drawn to Jesus? Will you come to him just as you are? Or are you just part of the crowd, happy to go along with the others, but kind of keeping him at a distance? So that was a week ago. And between then and now, we've had a week of life. We've had seven days. We've had seven days of working, sleeping, resting, playing, leisure. Uh, You may have been involved in church activities. And now we're here, seven days later, and we're part of the crowd. 
And today we're going to get more of the same. So it's the same question. Are you drawn to Jesus? Or are you keeping him at arm's length? But it's a bit more pointed. Jesus is saying, actually, let's pause. Let's stop. Let's take care. How are we hearing? How are we responding? Where are you really at this week? So let's take a look at what he says. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 16. I'll just read the first three verses. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. So Jesus is changing the metaphor. He's been talking about uh, uh, agricultural things. He's been talking about farmers and fields and seeds and soils. And he changes the metaphor to a household picture with a lamp on a stand. But it's basically saying the same thing. So uh, the, 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 the light in this second metaphor has the same function as the seed in the first picture. It's the word of God. It's, it's the message of Jesus. It's uh, what Jesus teaches people in his words, and it's who he is in his person, the revelation of God to, to humanity. It's, it's, it's Jesus, the word of God. So there's a number of similarities between the two pictures, between the seed and the light. So first of all, they're both, it's both very public, uh, public broadcast. So the farmer uh, sows the seed, doesn't he? And uh, he doesn't look where he's, he's sowing it. It's kind of a pretty poor farming technique. He just throws it anywhere he wants. But he's, he's indiscriminate. He just casts it out to everyone. And that's why he gets different responses. And it's the same with the light. A light shines everywhere. When you put a lamp on a table, it doesn't look around the room and think, I don't like that corner, I'm not going to shine there. That's the point, isn't it? That's why you put a lamp on a stand, so it gives light to the whole room. And it's, it's indiscriminate. It doesn't, doesn't choose who it gives light to. And it's the same with the word. So the word of God through Jesus is public. Jesus came, he was accessible to everyone, he didn't do what he did, hidden away in a corner. Everyone saw it, it was available to everyone, and it was written down uh, in, in this book, and it's been published more than any other book ever. So the message of Jesus is, is for everyone. There's no, you can't hear this, it's for everyone, it's public, it's available for free to, to all. So second similarity between the seed and the lamp is that it shows what's really there. So when you, when you sow the seed, when the farmer sows the seed, and it grows up, what happens to that seed doesn't say anything about the seed, it says everything about the soil. So it shows what's really there in the soil, what's really in the hearts of the people who are hearing. And it's the same with, with the light. So the light, when it shines into dark places, reveals hidden things that you wouldn't otherwise see. Light chases away darkness. And it's the same with the word of God. Same with the message of Jesus. It shows us what's deep down. So when we hear the word of God, it shows us what's, what's, it, what's really in our hearts, what's normally hidden, the stuff that we don't normally show people, the, the stuff that really drives us, what really motivates us, what we really love. 
That's, that's exposed when Jesus uh, speaks to us. There's one more similarity between the seed and the light that it's really important that we don't miss here. And that is that they're good. And it's easy for us to miss that. We think of it in a kind of abstract way. But actually, both pictures are really positive. So the seed is thrown into the soil and it produces fruit. Something comes from nothing. And the light uh, shines and it, it chases away darkness. And that's a really good thing. I think it's topical at the moment to think about light being a good thing with the clocks having gone back today. So we now have the pleasure of leaving work. At, if you leave work at five o'clock and it's already dark, what a joy, uh, instead of six o'clock. But we also get the pleasure of uh, sunrising at quarter to seven instead of quarter to eight, so that's a little bonus. But it, it shows us, doesn't it, that the, the darkness is depressing. Leaving work in the dark is depressing. And equivalently, when the sun comes up, it's joyful. I was sitting in my front room this morning and the sun was streaming through the window. It's been a lovely day. And it's just, it lifts your spirits. The light is good. And darkness is depressing. And when light chases away darkness, that's a really good thing. And it's the same with the word of God. It's the same with the message of Jesus. It's really good. It's really good. Why? Because it's the message of a God who loves the world. It's the message of a God who loves you. It's the message of a God who is for you. A God who wants you to be his. Now, we don't naturally believe that. We're not convinced that's true in our hearts. In fact, we're often convinced that he doesn't love us. We look into our own hearts. We see all of our our, uh, contradictions, all of our failures, all of our weaknesses. And we think, how could he love me? But Jesus comes... And he's the word of God. He shows us what God is really like. And he shatters that. He shatters any doubt we could have. He says, I love you so deeply and so fiercely that I would go to my own death for you. That I would die in your place so that you could be part of my family. Jesus shows us the heart of God and it's a heart of love. And that is good news. There's no news that could be better. That is light. That's the light we're talking about here. And it's a light that shines into the dark world. It's a light that shines into our dark hearts when we question it. Jesus shows us the heart of God and it's a heart of love. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that Jesus says. Every time we hear that message, the message of the love of God, every time we hear it, there's a battle that's going on in our hearts. See, that message, if it takes root, if it really takes root in our hearts and grows up, it will produce fruit, the most amazing fruit you've ever seen. A hundredfold, um, Jesus says in Mark's Gospel. But as soon as we hear it, other things crowd in. Don't they? You know this feeling. Other things cr- and they start pulling our hearts away. They start distracting us. Sometimes we like the path and, and the seed won't even go in. We're just not listening. We're not, re- <clears throat> we're not even listening to, to what Jesus says about, about God. And it just bounces off us. And that's like the birds snatching away the seed. Sometimes we hear about Jesus and we we start to believe it and then we think, if that's really true, my life's going to change and that's going to be difficult. And and, and, And comfort, the voice of comfort starts calling to us. And we give up. And that's the the, the sun withering the planks. It's got no roots when it's hard to follow Jesus. Sometimes it's just the distractions of life. You hear the word, you hear the message, excuse me, the message, uh, but but you're thinking about... um, 
that meeting you've got at work, what are you going to say? Or um, how are you going to entertain the kids during half term? Or uh, what is it? Uh, what are you going to eat tonight? Um, anything that can crowd in and just take away what's being sown. And it's not just the stuff of life that, that crowds in and distracts us. It's, it's deeper things, isn't it? Things that capture our affections, that capture our hearts. Things that we desire, things that we crave. The places our mind goes because it likes going there in idle moments. The places that we, the things we think about because we enjoy thinking about them more than anything else. And I don't know what they are. You know what those things are for you. The things that are in danger of taking your affections away from Jesus. Uh, I've felt this this week. Um, I've been preparing this message and uh, all about hearing the word and responding and being careful how you hear. And there have been times I've opened my Bible and uh, 10 minutes later I'm like, what have I been thinking? Where has my mind been going? Just distractions come in so quickly. And it could be anything. It could be as mundane as what you're doing, uh, what you're going to have for breakfast. Or it can be as deep as whatever it is in your heart that you're craving that is in danger of taking the place of Jesus. And those are good things. The things we often want are good things. But when they take us away from hearing and responding to Jesus, there's something wrong. So, Jesus says, verse 18, take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. So the point Jesus is making here is, we hear the word, and there's a battle for our hearts. We all know that. We, we, we feel it. But what he's saying is that battle is going in one of two directions. The battle's either being won, or it's being lost. And there's no neutral zone. Okay, there's no kind of demilitarized zone in the middle of the battlefield where we can sit and, and watch the missiles flying over our heads, and we're safe, and we're not going either way. No. Either ground's being won, or it's being lost, and we're on the battlefield. We're there. The battle's going on in our hearts. And he says there's a, there's a kind of momentum to it. So not only is the battle either being won or lost, there's a direction, but when we hear the word, Jesus says, that direction is strengthened. It's confirmed. So to the one who has, the one who has a heart that hears the message of God's love and goes, wow, that's amazing. I don't understand everything, but I want more of that. I've seen something in Jesus and I want more. They'll be given more. And the one who hears the message and goes, yeah, do you know what? I like being part of the crowd, but actually I want to keep that at arm's length. I don't really want to go there. Jesus says that person will have even what they think they have taken from them. They'll be hardened. Kind of, I think of it a bit like, um, we, we see this happening all the time in, 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 our, in, our, in our life, in our own hearts. Um, but you, you see it happening in relationships. So uh, just imagine a, a couple who are dating, right? And uh, it's not a very even relationship. The guy loves the girl. Okay? He's, he's besotted. The more time he spends with her, he thinks, wow, she is the one. I just want to love her. I want to um, care for her. And he's, he's sold. The girl... Not so sure. She's kind of still making her mind up. Okay? She's got a lot of other things going on. She's got a lot of friends, a lot of interests. She's got a good job that she's committed to. So she's not, not made up her mind. The, the guy loves her and he tells her he loves her. He tells her how great he, he, uh, he thinks she is. And the, the girl's got a friend. Okay? And the friend says, isn't it a bit odd that he's kind of so into you? 
Do you think he might have a, a sort of ulterior motive? You've got a good job. Maybe he just wants you for your money. And it sows a seed of doubt in her mind. Okay? So the girl can either put that seed of doubt aside and trust what the guy's saying. And every time he tells her he loves her, she's warmed up and she's drawn to him. And every time he tells her, she gets closer and she gets to see that he's genuine and they become whatever, married and go off and do something nice. And uh, the other option is that she, she, she lets that seed of doubt take root. And it starts to fester in her mind. And next time he tells her he loves her, she's like, oh, but he did that. And is that really the case? And she starts to question. And, and then every time he tells her that he loves her, she's like, oh, yeah, I'm not sure, though. And, and qu- pretty soon it just becomes words. He's saying, I love you and I think you're great. And she's like, yeah, you said that before. I've heard that one already. You said that last time. And her hearts, every time he says it, the function of that, those words are to harden her heart. And she's going in one of two directions. And the message of love that he gives to her strengthens which direction she's going. But there's no neutral ground. She doesn't stay where she is. Therefore, Jesus says, take care how you hear. It's really important. The stakes are high. And you're here. You've heard about Jesus. And you've heard the message. You've been here for however long. Weeks, months. But this morning, the message of Jesus is, take care how you hear. Sorry, this afternoon. I've been so careful not to say this morning or this time. Um, yeah, I don't want that to distract from what I'm saying, because this is really important, I think. As, as soon as I finish speaking, even in that moment, other voices can crowd in. You, you hear, hear the message of Jesus, and it's, it's so quick. Every single moment you hear the message, there's a battle going on. And if we're not aware of it, then we can just drift. We, just, we, we leave church and we go back into the flow of life. And the flow of whatever's on our tablets, the flow of whatever's in our minds. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. Take stock. Take a step back. Take stock of where you're at. How are you hearing? How, how actually are you responding to me? Are you letting this shell build up over your heart? Are you getting gradually further away? Or is something getting through? And are you going, wow, there's something about that guy I want more of? And are you moving towards him? Because it's one of two directions. There's no neutral ground. Here's the thing. If you're sitting and you're thinking, yeah, actually, I do find myself distracted. I do. I do find myself, my, my heart goes off to other things. It's tempting to think the problem's with what I'm distracted by. So I'll deal with that. Okay, so I, I read my Bible and uh, I've been enjoying the Rugby World Cup, right? I've been enjoying it. And, but I feel a pull of my heart towards that, towards the news or towards whatever it is that I, I want to read. It's not wrong in itself. But dealing with that won't deal with the issue, okay? It's not the thing in itself that's a problem. Maybe the problem is that actually I've just forgotten how good Jesus is. Maybe I've forgotten how, how beautiful he is and how wonderful he is. If, I got, if, if you get rid of the distraction, something else will distract you. That's not the issue. The issue is, are you really seeing Jesus? Have you forgotten how good he is? Have you forgotten how much he loves you? You. So stop, take stock. And maybe let yourself be won over by Jesus again. Maybe let yourself hear his voice. Maybe let yourself hear him saying, I love you. 
him saying, actually, I died for you because I want you to be mine. Let yourself hear that and see what happens. Jesus says, just being in the crowd is not enough. Um, Just being here, if you're not responding, what matters is your hearts. And the rest of what he uh, says, what's the rest of our passage, um, is basically an illustration of what he's just said. So I'll read it out to you from verse 19. Uh, Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Wow, it's kind of, kind of shocking. His mother and brothers are there, and they think they've got a sort of rightful claim to him. They think, well, he's our, our, our son, our, our brother. And there's a crowd, and they say, well, we should be able to sort of have access to him. Um, but Jesus sees a, an opportunity to teach and to make a point. And he says, no, actually, those who are really my mother and brothers, those who are really in my kingdom are those who are truly responding. Those who hear the word of God and do it. So it's not everyone in the crowd, okay? Not everyone in the crowd is in that position. It's not just those who do and say the right things, who are in the right places at the right times. And it's not even those who are in his blood family, not even his real mother and brothers that necessarily are in that position. It's those who have heard his words and are drawn to him and come back to him for more. Those who hear the word of God and do it. And those little words give us a little glimpse, actually, into what true response looks like. So first of all, it looks like being in Jesus' family, mother and brothers, as close to him as we could be. And the immense privilege of knowing him as our brother and knowing God as our father. Incredible. But secondly, we see that true response actually changes things. It has tangible, sort of noticeable differences Uh, in in our lives. Those who hear the word of God and do it are those who are in my family. This is a really big theme, actually, in the New Testament, that true faith involves action, response. Uh, Response to God's love changes the way we live. And it's not a command, if you've had faith, do this. It's not a, you must do this. It's a description If you are truly responding, this is what it will look like. It will make a difference. It's just what happens when you get that God loves you. It's just what happens. It's like in the the illustration of the the guy uh, and and the girl. When she really gets that he actually loves her and he really wants to marry her, how can that not change how she responds to him? And when God's love really gets hold of, of you, things will change. So it's not a a command, it's a description, it's a get ready. If you really get hold of this, things are going to change for you. You'll find yourself going places that you wouldn't have gone to uh, otherwise. You'll find yourself welcoming people that you would never have dreamt of welcoming into your home before. You'll find yourself having conversations you would never have dreamt of. you find yourself getting up at times you wouldn't have thought of. It's an adventure, but it's a thrilling one because it's with Jesus. So the message that he brings this, this afternoon is, is one of good news. It's one of light. It's, it's like the sunrise. Shining into our hearts that are dark. Shining into our hearts that doubt, uh, doubt him. It's better than you can imagine. It's the news that you are loved. And I know, 
as soon as I've finished speaking, other voices are going to crowd in. And I know there's a battle in each of our hearts, and that battle begins now. We've all heard the message. So the question is, okay, if you were to stop this afternoon, just take stock, where am I at really? How am I responding to Jesus? What would the answer be? Whose voice am I listening to? Am I really taking Jesus at his word?